Welcome to PodCash, the portable professional development podcast from Cash Alumni. Cash Alumni is the fastest growing association of professionals in care, health and education. And we're happy to have you here. This is where you'll hear from specialists and experts from across our network. Here's what's coming up. The privilege of watching a child moving independently for the first time, it's not something that ever leaves you. I've seen it I don't know how many times and it's still a deeply, deeply moving experience. And this expression on a child's face when they realise that they are initiating their own movement is just, well, it's priceless, absolutely priceless. Let's jump in to this week's episode. My name is Lucy Norris and I'm the Partnerships and Engagement Officer for the charity Designability. And my the best way of summing up my job, I think, is to say that every morning there are going to be, sadly, children diagnosed with a condition that might affect their ability to walk. And so my job is to make sure that those children know that WYSIBUG is available and, more importantly, that it's completely free of charge. Well, that's a very exciting introduction. So <laughs> I suppose on that, can you tell me what WYSIBUG is um, so that we all know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. WYSIBUG is fantastic. I'm going to do my best to describe it to you because it is just the cutest thing you've ever seen. It's basically a very small powered wheelchair. But now I've said powered wheelchair, take that image out of your brain um, and just imagine the cutest little red car that has uh, a number plate that says WYSIBUG on it. It's got little headlights, it's got eyes, it's got a smiley face on the foot plate. Um, So it couldn't look less like a piece of mobility equipment to the extent that one of our families um, had had a bit of a run-in with a, a theme park because they said, oh no, you can't bring that in there. That's a, you know, that's a toy car and they went uh no it's not it's a piece of disability equipment um so that's how good it is is it just looks like a really fun bit of kit but actually it's a powered wheelchair that's that's great um and that does sound really really exciting um so i know you said that it's for children who may have been told that they're not going to be able to walk in the same way that other children might um, what what sort of age is is WYSIBUG for? Like, who would be using one of these power chairs? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, the reason we designed it is because there's nothing routinely available on the NHS for young children. So traditionally. In this country, we think about um, power mobility from the age of five upwards, and that means that younger children are basically dependent on parents and carers to be able to move around. So they're often pushed around in a buggy or they might be crawling or um, bum shuffling a lot of the time, rolling. Um, and it's actually a, a, a human right of children to be able to move independently. And WYSIBUG enables them to do that. So it's suitable from 14 months. Um, and we say roughly to the age of five, but it's all to do with their um, height and weight and different dimensions. So we've got lots of older children still using WYSIBUG. And um, sadly, some children will outgrow it before they reach five. So it really just depends on how they grow. And the other really cool thing about WYSIBUG is that it grows with the child so families are shown when they come for their appointment how to adapt it and it's dead easy you don't need any tools to be able to do it it's all mechanical changes and they can do it themselves so as their child grows they can adapt it to to meet their their expanding needs 
that's that's great and yeah you're right i've never really thought about it before but like under children under five who have a mobility like barrier of something some yeah. stopping them from from walking properly they do get pushed around in buggies and i've never although i, I know that and i've 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 worked you know worked with families who've got children who've got disabilities and i'd never really thought about why that was a problem yes um, yeah and it's shocking when you do yeah it, <laughs> so, well, like, obviously there's no difference between children who can walk and children who can't walk in terms of them needing to learn how to navigate their own environment and like figure out risk and all of those things so how does absolutely help children do all of that what 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 skills does it does it build oh it's uh, it's amazing i mean picking up on what you were just saying that there was a brilliant piece of research published last year actually in the states not in this country but it applies universally and it was talking about the fact that routinely we miss really important developmental milestones because children aren't enabled aren't enabled to self-propel um, and it was talking about just how important it is um, for children to experience independent movement and we're not talking about you know we do have some amazing drivers WYSIBUG drivers I mean just phenomenal you just need to look on YouTube and, and TikTok and all the rest of it to see some of these kids moving around but it, we're not even talking about that just accidental independent movement is also really really beneficial and important and it unlocks all sorts of things so um, anecdotally things like our, our parents will say the first time they took their WYSIBUG to a cafe um, there's a, a, a mum said recently and she turned her back momentarily and her little boy drove over and chose which packet of crisps he wanted and for her that was huge and it's something that you know those of us who've been lucky enough to have children who've developed normally take completely for granted and other another mum was talking about the fact that previously her child would be picked up and put down at a table in front of of you know two different toys that that she could choose and WYSIBUG enabled her to say actually I don't want to play at the table today I want to go and play at the sandpit or whatever you know it's just so choice is a massive thing but then there's all sorts of other things that again you know you just sort of don't think about until you look at the research until you speak to families is being able to join the family walk, dog walk independently so they're not in a buggy they're on their own and we have lovely video clips of um, children holding hands with their older sibling whilst they go on the dog walk or holding the dog on the lead whilst they go on the dog walk and all of that is because they're able to move independently with WYSIBUG it's yeah it's it's life-changing it really is and not just for the child but also for the family and we know now from the research that moving independently unlocks potential for child development so there's really close correlations with even things like language skills um, and also developing a sense of self because previous to that if they're constantly being carried or in a buggy they're part of their parents or their carers whereas when they're in WYSIBUG they're their own little person and of course the other thing I having described I hope just given a good description of WYSIBUG earlier is that it's such a lovely bit of kit people come and talk to you when you're in a WYSIBUG and other children certainly come and talk to you when, a, when you're in a WYSIBUG because they love it it's a really you know it's a really good bit of kit that everybody wants to have a look at and have a go in 
So yeah, so it's just fantastic. Yeah, that's great. And that's, like I ha- again, like thinking about Wizzy Bugs, I'd sort of made the links between children being able to to learn how to navigate their own environment, even just in terms of being able to like conceptualize like depth and like how far away something is and and all of those things that you need to know to be able to move around by yourself and and not bump into things or misjudge how much energy you've got to walk from one place to the other or any of those things. But that idea of developing agency and confidence and and, and be able to make your own choices must be a a, a massive game-changing thing for young children. Um, I suppose whilst they're, they're figuring out who they are. Yes, absolutely. And and being on a more equal footing with their peer group as well, I think it's really, really important. And a lot of our families say that that's the best thing is that suddenly their ch- child is able to participate more fully. Um, and social particip- participation is a huge um, factor in child development. Um, so, yeah, so being able to kick a ball around the garden, which you can do in a whizzy bug um, with your with your big siblings or being able to go to the park with friends. There's a gorgeous clip on um, somewhere on our Facebook page, I think it is, of this little boy who, who just made a friend in the park. Never happened before. And this little person came up to sort of, you know, have a chat and mum happened to catch it all on camera and they literally go off sort of into the sunset together holding hands. It's just fantastic. <laughs> That's really so because, like, obviously, like thinking about the the impact that being able to move yourself around can have on like everything from your motor skills to yeah, like actual development as a person, as a as a human being. Like, why is it not something that is more widely available? I would love to be able to answer that question, but I don't know because to me it should be it should be available routinely on the nhs you know every child should should have that possibility for independent movement i think we're just probably only starting to scratch the surface of how important it is there is quite a good body of research now um, but i think it just takes a a while to to feed through and of course the other thing is they're hugely expensive any any kind of powered mobility is massively expensive and children only need them for a short while because they grow and that was one of the reasons why we not only designed WYSIBUG but decided to make it a free loan scheme so families just borrow it for as long as their child needs it, um, which is usually until they outgrow it. And then it comes back to us uh, and we refurbish it and send it out to another family. And I think probably that's that's part of the, sadly, part of the the, um, the problem is it's just the pure economics of, of providing, you know, very expensive pieces of equipment to families for, for what is a relatively short period of time. But my real hope is that in the future, every child who needs help with their mobility will, will have a WYSIBUG or something similar, even if it's not WYSIBUG, um, because it's just so important developmentally. It really, really is. And and you were saying about fine motor skills and gross motor skills. I mean, all of that kind of stuff, spatial awareness, there's just so many practical things that are really important because obviously they've got to learn to use a joystick. Um, and we have a, a variety of 
joystick heads that the children can use. So we'll always find something that suits their particular grip or, or the texture might be something that they really respond to. So we've got lots of different joystick heads we can try. And so that's all, you know, fine motor skills. And then, and then, as you said, the sort of whole concept of spatial awareness and their, their feeling in, in, the, the, their environment um, that's all really important as well and the other thing is you know some of these children will go on to use power mobility so if they can have had all this experience at such a young age it's hugely beneficial I love to tell a story about um, a, a couple I met at one of the exhibitions that we attend and they have twins um, both of whom have cerebral palsy uh, but only one of them was going to be given power mobility because he was quadriplegic and their daughter, they were told, wasn't eligible because she only had, she had the use of one arm. Quite what she was meant to do with just one arm, I, I really don't know, but there we go. Um, and luckily, they were very active on social media and another charity heard about them and said, no, this, this little girl has to have power mobility we will fund a, a wheelchair for her, particularly because they were twins. You know, how can you give one child one and not the other? Um, and when they went to the to the supplier to pick up this power chair, they were talking to the little girl and saying, well, obviously, you'll need to learn joystick skills. And she went, no, I won't. I've been driving since I was two. And then they said, and you'll have to go on a driving skills course. And she went, no, I won't. I've been driving since I was two. And they did their seating assessment. You know, they they put it you know got it all ready for her put her in it and of course she just took off and they couldn't believe it and that's because she'd been driving since she was really little so she knew all of that and she was a fantastic driver and some of the some of our drivers are amazing it blows my mind how competent many many two-year-olds are at, at you know really complex maneuvers but I think it's partly because it's so responsive uh, and also it turns on a sixpence but they just get it it's just phenomenal. I suppose that makes sense when you think about how children's brains are developing to yeah. facilitate their movement at that age where maybe ambulant two-year-olds their brain is developing at that point to help them to to navigate obstacles and to know how to stack their joints properly when they're doing different things and bending over and standing up and whereas actually if you catch children at that point in their development then they can build their understanding of what their body is doing around that functionality of the, the chair that that being an extension of themselves from that much more sort of fundamental starting point that I think that's that's really well um, captured that's ex exactly it I think you know it's that getting getting them at that key crucial point in their development and giving them that opportunity to, to move independently and as I said earlier I think we also need to think about those children who won't ever become proficient drivers because a number of our children won't ever. Um, but even for children for whom the movement is accidental, so they might accidentally knock the joystick, that's still massive to have that sensation and all that um, sensory feedback from from moving independently, even if they aren't able to make the connection between them doing something to the joystick and that movement happening. That's equally important um, and has all sorts of um, benefits developmentally and 
it's fun. That's the other thing. One family had a little boy and he just did donuts. So he just went round and round and round in circles for a whole year, but he loved it. He, it made him giggle. The parents, you know, loved watching him do that. And in his case, after a year, he did work out how to push the joystick forward and that would move him forward. And he then did become a, a functional driver. Um, but it was after a long time of not being a functional driver and just just having a great time going around in circles. Why not? (laughs) This is Podcash, brought to you by Cash Alumni. For job search and careers advice in care, health and education, why not try our state-of-the-art SkillsMiner AI tool? SkillsMiner is under the careers tab of cashalumni.org.uk. That's cashalumni.org.uk. I don't envy Wizzy Bug's job though you must have a really long waiting list like how do you balance that wait for something becoming free with the fact that children are growing and changing and getting towards like the end of the time they might need a Wizzy Bug or how does that logistically um, that that is a challenge. We we do want families to apply as soon as possible because we want children to have the benefit of WYSIWYG as young as possible. So the the minimum age is fourteen months, um, and we really encourage families to apply as soon as they can. At the moment, our waiting list is absolutely fine. It's all manageable. Um, we say on average it's fourteen weeks between. No, 16 weeks, sorry, between them applying and actually getting the WYSIWYG. So it's actually a very short wait time, particularly in comparison with, um, you know, most equipment uh, that's available through other routes. So it's not a long time to wait. But yes, definitely the longer they can have WYSIWYG. So therefore, the younger they get it, the longer loan length they'll be able to have. And obviously that, that, you know, pays huge dividends. Um, I should say that one of the the main criteria for WYSIWYG is having good head control. So some children won't be able to have it from that young because they won't have developed sufficient head control. Um, so that's just a really important note to make um, is unless they've got really good head control and they can, if their head flops forward, they can lift it back up, up again, then it isn't suitable for them. And that's um, purely from a safety point of view and also for, for their to, to make sure they've got good posture when they're using WYSIWYG and it's not going to have a detrimental effect or, um, you know, cause any health problems longer term. So that's why we have that that criteria in place. So for some children, they're going to have to wait a little bit longer, but we'll still give them, you know, a, a loan for as long as we possibly can. Um, obviously, it's a bit of guesswork because we don't know how quickly children are going to grow and develop, but um, we employ clinicians and they make a judgment call on that. So they'll set a loan length with the family and then at the end of that loan, we'll contact the family anyway um, to say that their loan is coming to an end. And if they think their child still fits WYSIWYG and they, they're still benefiting from it and they're still finding it useful, then they can apply for a loan extension. Um, and, and if they have decided that actually that's they're moving on to their next piece of equipment, then that's absolutely fine. They can return WYSIWYG to us. And we don't charge for the return of WYSIWYG either. So um, that, that's all paid for and covered um, by the charity. That's amazing. And and I will ask you some more questions about who WYSIWYG might maybe not be suitable for. Because uh, I can imagine that there, there is sort of a, a a set of criteria that mean that people might be a, a candidate for, for that sort of support. But from what you've just said about the way that 
stuff works and the way it missed and the way that things were messed up and things like that. Um, you said <laughs> that oh, that you want people to apply as 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 early as possible. Um, do you find the same barriers with that as you might maybe with a grown up support service? In that, I remember when I first started exploring mobility aids that there was almost that idea that you should wait as long as possible to try and stick it out. Like maybe things that won't <laughs> need it after all. Do you see those same barriers with maybe parents like wanting to not almost people see it as giving in rather than in like receiving support? Yes, that's a really good point that you've made. Um, we do see that with some families and sadly, we also see it with some clinicians. Um, families, definitely, there there can be a sense of, um, you know, they've just come to terms with a diagnosis. So that's a huge thing to go through, obviously. Um, and, and for some families, they don't even have a diagnosis. So that's probably even worse because um, they don't know where to turn and there's no kind of pathway to follow. Um, but certainly, we do see that, that that they're possibly already traumatised by what they've gone through so far and they don't want to think of their child needing any mobility equipment, um, which obviously we can completely understand and sympathise with that. And I think that's another thing where actually WYSIBUG is a really great sort of entry level piece of kit because it is so friendly looking and it doesn't look clinical or medical. Um, and we've made a very conscious decision that um, our, our clinicians don't wear scrubs. Um, our clinics are very sort of friendly environments. Then they're, they're as non-clinical as it's possible to be while still being <laughs> clinical. Um, so yeah, that's very much part of our sort of thinking and, and ethos that we want it to be very friendly and not to feel like a, a you know one of the many medical appointments that our families have to attend um, and on on the same sort of talking in the same thing is I've come across families in the past where they've felt felt really bad that they didn't apply earlier and it's just because they weren't ready and so we we are very conscious of the fact that some families come to us, you know, with that sort of guilt, which is completely unnecessary. And, and you know, we do what we can to support them. Um, but there's definitely a point at which families will be ready and and all we can do is support them on that journey. Um, and I think also there's not only that not wanting to sort of, as you put it, give in to having to, to have mobility equipment, um, but there's also something around for some people, some families, and again, some clinicians as well, that in some way it's going to stop the children wanting to, to walk. And of course, we know from research that the complete opposite is true. And, and hopefully some of the things we've already just discussed before will will sort of uh, explain that. And that if children are able to explore their own environment, if they're able to participate more fully socially and um, interact with their peers and their family and the dog and go for walks, all that's going to do is encourage them to want to walk. Um, and they're meeting those developmental milestones. And that's just so important. Um, I can't so, yes. Yeah, how much more it's amplified as an under five, like the yeah. empowerment of. I remember getting my first set of crutches. And again, like, you know, the, the narrative around it being that it was a bad thing or that I was too young to have a mobility aid or that it would again like it would make us lazy in some way and I would 
use them when I didn't need them or any of those <laughs> things. Um, you know, and apart from the fact that they're cumbersome and they get in the way and they, you would still always choose not to need them if you didn't need them. It was so empowering to be able um, to do things that I couldn't do before that I was more likely to try and do other things that maybe were difficult for us. I, I can't imagine how much more that would be felt by a child who maybe was doing things for the first time and maybe actually thinking of it in that way, it's easier to see how it would support children to want to try to reach new movement milestones. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing that is interesting is thinking about it just in terms of children who may be able to walk and perhaps already are walking, but the effort and energy required, um, you know, for a standing frame or a walker. And actually, there's a there's a concept called multimodal mobility, which is um, what we talk about at Designability. And because a, a child has already got a bike doesn't mean they can't have a skateboard. You know, I've got wellies, I've got trainers, I've got a pair of heels I never wear anymore, but they're there. Um, you know, we have lots of pieces of footwear, we have lots of different um, bits of kit, and it's exactly the same when it comes to child mobility. So we see WYSIBUG as part of a range of equipment that any child might have. And we spoke to a family recently, recently actually, and that was a perfect case in point. So he was learning to walk and he'd got a walking frame, but it was exhausting and he could only go a very, very limited way with his walker. So having WYSIBUG was just brilliant. He was absolutely delighted because he could move around with all his his peer group and then when he got somewhere use his walker for a bit so it was just a perfect example of how WYSIBUG can fit into an overall picture and I think that's a really really important message to get across to, to families as well and, and clinicians that you know it's part of a range a whole suite if you like of, of different bits of equipment that can really enable a child to, to develop as much as possible. Yeah, and that's the key word, isn't it? It's enable. It's 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 yeah. going to support that child to be able to do, not what it's there to to fill the gap to stop them having to do. Um, I think a lot of the people who talk about um, like wheelchairs being an, an an easy thing to do have never driven one, um, but in that powered chair, there's so many other skills you have to be able to develop to be able to do that. It's not something that someone who is used to be able to just walk around would be able to just transfer over and do. Um, obviously, if you work with older people, um, you might have seen that transition where maybe older people have have had to transition from being ambulant into using maybe a scooter or some sort of powered chair to get around and it's again it can be loads of fun but that learning how to to navigate around using a completely different set of processes in your own brain to figure out space and like how you move around in the world and actually doing that with your hand instead of with your hips and your, your, your you know all the other bits that would have to move um is a is a 
big transition. So again, like thinking about children doing that when they would be developing those skills initially is is really cool. Yeah, and and they are phenomenal. I just can't can't get over it. And obviously, um, you know, I bore my family with with endless video clips of of children and whizzybugs, and they can't get over it either. It's just extraordinary. And we keep saying, you know, I have conversations all the time, saying, well, how does it? How come it takes us so long to learn to drive as adults, when these children just seem to instinctively get it? And again, it's because their brains are like sponges at, at that age, and they're experiencing it. You know, they're they're it's fun and they're in it and they just you know as I said not all children but a lot of children just are extraordinary they, they you know the the way they learn to drive and navigate and they whiz around and they turn on a sixpence the, my, one of my favorite video clips is um, a little boy who'd only had his whizzy bug for a week and he he the mum was sat on the sofa and you could see him whizzing past and then he went through this very narrow um doors out into the garden and then you saw him whizzing past which was hilarious anyway and then he maneuvered back in but then what was really extraordinary was he then um, went to the end of the sofa turned turned you know right to go past it and then reversed into the parking space where he parks whizzybug between the door and the fridge and it was just I and I thought I thought I'd have if that was me driving, it, I'd have had to do a 13-point turn. And he just did it in a one And he'd had his whizzybug for a week. It was just insane. <laughs> That's magic. Um, but you, you talk about the videos. And there's, there's, there's two things from that. Like, w- one is about the content of some of the videos. But the, 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 the first question I've got is, do you think that those videos, which sound like they're absolutely full of joy, do you think that they do help parents to to leave some of those fears or some of those sort of that stigma around a chair or around that like in again in airports giving in um bit of of, of making that transition to their child being able to to navigate the world independently do you think those videos help yes absolutely yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, um, it's really interesting. I'd read a piece of research recently um, where they'd uh, another charity had surveyed um, a, a load of parents and they said that they were most likely to, it was 79%, said they were most likely to trust another parent who'd had experience of a piece of equipment um, because of that, you know, it's the, the, the trusted um I can't think what the expression is, but, you know, that a, a trusted partner, if, as it were. Um, and I think we see that a lot. So there are lots of amazing online groups for parents of, you know, kids with disabilities. And when when they share um, the, the video clips and their experiences, it's it's really empowering, really positive. And I think it really helps families to 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 sort of you know get on board and think oh you know seeing another child having such a brilliant time or seeing a child move for the, independently for the first time I and mean, when, when we go to exhibitions and if we've got a clinician with us we're able to seat children um, so some families come to exhibitions to try out a whizzy bug and it's extraordinary because everybody's in tears the people on the other stands are in tears the whole place comes to a standstill because the privilege of watching a child moving independently for the first time. It's not something that ever leaves you. 
And I've seen it, I don't know how many times, and it's still a deeply, deeply moving experience. And this expression on a child's face when they realise that they are initiating their own, own movement is just, well, it's priceless, absolutely priceless. <laughs> this is Podcash, brought to you by Cash Alumni. For discounts on everything from Apple products to MOTs, visit the cashback page of cashalumni.org.uk. That's cashalumni.org.uk. A lot of our audience are people who work with families. So they might be working in nursery settings or in sort of like reception and primary school and, and places where maybe they've got relationships with families or there's the, there's things that they might be aware of that families are struggling with. Um, and obviously this might be one of those things. How, how do people signpost to Aussie books? Like, um, it's, it's a real mixture. It has to be said. So a lot of uh, so originally the scheme used to be um, a referral service. So they'd have to have a clinician on board in order in order to apply, and the clinician would fill out half the form, and the family would fill out half the form. Because of COVID and the pandemic, um, we scrapped that because children were waiting months and months and months for to even get an appointment with a therapist, and we realised that children were missing out on having time in WYSIWYG. So it's now complete self-referral, so families can apply direct themselves online. There are lots of resources available online, so I talked briefly about the fact that we need really specific measurements um, for WYSIWYG for the child so that we can adapt WYSIWYG to, to be set up perfectly for them and to be sure that it's the right size for them. So there are resources available to, to explain to families how to do that. But I think in terms of um, the, the people that might be listening to this, just encouraging families to have a look at the website, um, to, to maybe look at some of those video clips. Um, one brilliant example is um, there's a lovely mum called Amy who's got the most adorable little boy called Ollie. It does help that he's exceptionally cute. Um, and he has a condition called SMA type 1. And he also has a WYSIWYG. And she did the most brilliant takeover of our Instagram, and it's still available on there. And what she did was over the course of a few months, I am slightly breaking the, um, you know, the, the fourth wall here by telling you this, but over the course of a few months, she videoed sort of half hour clips in his day. So literally from the minute he wakes up until the minute he goes to bed. And then we put it out in real time over the course of a day. And it's just the most amazing insight into what it's like to raise a child with additional needs and the number of people involved in his care and all the things that have to be factored in. But also the difference that WYSIWYG has made to that family's life and how they use it and when they use it and where they use it. And, you know, he loves strawberries. So he will drive over in the supermarket to the strawberries and won't particularly want to move on because he wants to stay and have some strawberries. Thanks very much. And, you know, little things like that. So that's a really lovely resource for parents to, to have a look at and, and see what see what it looks like and what it can do and how it might change change their child's life and indeed their own um so yes yeah, so i think social media is is a really powerful tool in this day and age and i think a lot of families look for that information um on websites and on social media so it's a really good way of, of um parents being able to help support other parents um with with all sorts of things not just WYSIWYG. um but yes in in terms of um the people that might be listening if they can just encourage families to look at the website the application form is on there they can fill it in themselves if we need to with their 
permission, we can contact their local clinician. Um, and obviously, it's much quicker and easier for us to do that. I'm not a clinician myself, but we employ um, qualified clinicians. So it, it's quicker and easier for them to get hold of them than fa- perhaps for the family to be waiting for an appointment. Um, so that's that's how it works now. And that's been really beneficial. And it's, it's meant children aren't waiting months and missing out on time in, in WYSIBUG. Yeah, that so. sounds great. What we'll do is we'll link the website and the social media in the show notes for the episode so people will be able to just click on the link if they want to have a look in the notes that are accompanying this episode. Um, so they can go and have a look at that while we finish our conversation if they want. Um, or mm-hmm. bookmark it for later. Um, when you were mentioning getting measured for a wishy bug there um, and talking about um, people being the right size and setting it up and like how how does that work? What is the the other is there a lower size limit or an upper size limit? Like are there are there different adaptations the same as there might be with a mortability car? Yes, so there is a a minimum size um, and there's also a maximum size, uh, but it's all, it's very difficult to give those to you because it's all different dimensions. So, for instance, for the minimum size, it would be the back height. So, we'd need to make sure that the child could reach um, where the shoulder harness sits. And the shoulder harness itself is adjustable, but they would need to be, have sufficient back height to meet the the minimum setting on the shoulder harness. And then in terms of maximum, again, it might be the hip width is too big um, or it might be that they've got a long back so they've they've outgrown the the um, headrest or they might have long limbs um, and the foot plate again you know that all uh, all adapts it can all be changed um, but they may have may have outgrown it from that point of view so that's why we need the, the really precise measurements um, just to make sure that it's going to fit them and then when they come for their appointment so there we um, hold appointments uh, either at our headquarters which is in Bath or at the William Merritt Centre in near near Leeds it's in Rodley near Leeds so those are one of the two places that families would need to go and when they go it's a full seating assessment so it takes about an hour um, and WYSIBUG is set up perfectly for their child so it's the seat depth the foot rest um height all of that the the tilt the the incline recline whatever um will all be adjusted to fit them and even things like whether the joystick is left-handed or right-handed and what reach there is depending on what mobility they've got in their shoulder so that's all set up for them and then they take WYSIBUG home from that appointment and as part of the appointment that the family has shown how to amend that and adjust that so as their child grows they can change all those little you know tweak all those little measurements to make sure that um, it's safe and suitable and again our, our clinicians are available online so they'll they have regular touch points with the families during the course of the loan so they'll be in touch and just see how they're getting on and quite often it's things like they that you know maybe the child's not driving as much as they might have the potential to drive so they just need some tips and and hints about um, encouraging driving and they've got some brilliant ones up their sleeve like driving over bubble wrap or crashing into cardboard boxes or I'm giving away trade secrets here they're going to kill me Um, but yes all sorts of little things they can do to encourage driving Um, and then equally you know something might go wrong things do go wrong with WYSIBUG um, as with any piece of equipment and we've got a fantastic team of technicians so families can get in touch and say oh whatever it is whatever the problem is and quite often it can be sorted out over the phone um, in some circumstances we might need to send out a spare part you know that we have had dogs eating things we have had 
um, grown adults standing on things that they shouldn't. Um, things have broken, uh, so we can send out a spare part. And in the worst case scenario, we would get the whole unit back um, and, and send out a replacement unit. But as I said, that's worst case scenario, but it does sometimes happen. Um, so, yes, yeah, so there's lots of support in, you know, during the, the course of the loan uh, to yeah, help and families. And what a testament to how how enabling the equipment is that adults and children have been playing together in ways that may have caused <laughs> injury to equipment. That's, <laughs> um, yeah. that, that, that's really helpful because when you said that um, obviously that initial appointment and all of the adjustment that happens, um, my brain was full of like new shoes and how often you've got to go and buy children <laughs> new shoes because they've outgrown things. So the fact that adults can adjust the equipment themselves at home to avoid having to go and get all of that done every yes. it feels like week but every couple of months <laughs> um is 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 great um it's I suppose another empowering thing that yeah we do to support people to really feel like it's theirs yeah, absolutely. And it's really easy. Um, so you don't need any tools to be able to do it. It's all really clever little mechanical adjustments and they're shown exactly how to do it. And um, we've also got resources online. So if they've forgotten, because there's a lot of information to take in at the appointment, but there's some resources and they're sent home with a with a sort of handbook as well. Um, and and as I said, the, we're always available at the end of the phone. So if somebody's really struggling, then, then one of our lovely technicians will talk them through you know how to how to make the adjustments so this all sounds incredible lucy and i know that you've said that it's free for families and that they get the whizzy bug and they can keep it and then they bring it like it gets collected and brought back at the end of that that loan term and so how, how it how does that work are are whizzy bug a charity is that like it, how, how are you funded yeah, so we Designability is the name of the charity, and uh, yes, we are. We have no statutory funding. We are just like any other charity, so we have to rattle tins and uh, apply to grants and trusts. We did get a large piece of funding from Motability, which helped us set up the the loan scheme, and that's been really, really instrumental in in its success. Um, but yes, we're just like any other charity. Um, and the other thing that we've introduced since the pandemic because of the cost of living crisis, we now have something called the Access Fund. So any family that needs help with the cost of attending their appointment, because obviously some, you know, we, we supply WYSIWYGs literally all over the country. So some families have quite, got quite a long journey. Um, and if they need the help, help with the cost of that, and that could be overnight accommodation as well, because obviously, you know, if you've got a, a poorly child they might not be used to traveling long distances and then it's a long and long appointment and they may not be able to travel to and fro in the same day um, families can self-declare so they just apply as part of the application process it's not means tested it's taken uh, you know uh, uh, on faith that um, if they say they need help they need help um, and then they can get those costs reimbursed and that includes public transport or fuel expenses, you know, whatever means of travel um, they need. And in some cases, the other thing that's worth saying is if um, a family aren't able to take the whizzy bug, whizzy bug back with them for some reason, then um, again, we will courier it to their home after the appointment. Um, so, and again, we'll do that free of charge. So we hope we've removed all barriers to, to any family applying. That's our, really certainly our aim. Like yeah, it sounds like you've removed loads of barriers. It sounds like you've really thought of of, of of everything that I can I can think of would be a barrier, or at least 
are conscious of those barriers to be yeah. able to support families who who do that and need that help. Um, is information about how people can get involved to help with fundraising and things also on the website? Yes, absolutely. We recently launched a new website, so it's really clear now um, where you go for which bits of information. And yes, if anybody wanted to, to donate, obviously we'd be absolutely delighted. And you can do that online on the website. I can, I can just, I can just see people sitting formulating ideas for like cake sales and fundraising. Oh, could do for things. So I thought that'd be amazing. <laughs> Um, this has been great. Um, I feel like I've asked you loads and loads of nosy questions. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you were hoping to be able to tell people? Um, you did mention, and I remembered and thought we haven't talked about when WYSIWYG isn't suitable. So we should probably just cover cash. that should probably cover that off. So we talked a bit about head control. That's a that's a major factor. Um, we've talked a little bit about dimensions. Um, so so obviously children do have to be the right size for Wizzybug and it is very small. It, you know, it is for it's designed specifically for young children. Um, the other thing is unfortunately it can't have any medical equipment attached to it. So any child that's on permanent oxygen, for example, unfortunately it's not suitable, um, very sadly. Um, it's not crash tested, so a child should never be transported while sitting in WYSIWYG. That's probably a very important one to say. Uh, and what else? I'm trying to think what else. Oh, sadly, it's not waterproof and it can't go on the beach, um, which everybody at Designability is determined that one day we will find a way around that and that we can make WYSIWYG suitable for the beach because we just think it really should be able to go on the beach. But the reason for both those things is that the motor is actually in, in uh, behind the wheels. So if water or sand or anything like that gets into the wheels, then then that just destroys the motor, sadly. Um, so, yeah, so the, there are a few considerations um, and in terms of uh, children that it isn't isn't suitable for and things that it can and can't do and and in terms of sort of um, diagnosis and things we see a massive range of children so the, the largest group are cerebral palsy uh, and then there's uh, conditions like spina bifida um, all sorts of different uh, muscular dystrophy lots of muscle wasting diseases and also lots of rare genetic diseases but as we talked about previously the little boy with fatigue um, he had down syndrome so it can be anything that affects a child's mobility and just because they can walk doesn't mean that they can't have a whizzy bug uh, yeah that's great thank you so much this has been such a lovely sort of winter dark conversation <laughs> it's really cheered me up um, and i'm definitely gonna head over and check out all of those really lovely videos on the social media because i think that yeah. would really help in these dark nights um thank you so much for your time this has been really really lovely oh it's been an absolute pleasure dawn thanks for listening to podcast if you enjoyed it please follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode you can also watch many of these conversations by heading over to cashalumni.org.uk and going to the CPD and Best Practice section of the site. That's cashalumni.org.uk.